This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. Today, going to be reading just two uh, scriptures. Very familiar, but we'll see what the Lord has for it. For John 3.16 and 3.17. John 3.16 and 3.17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. With the help of the Holy Ghost this morning, I want to preach on the title of the message, By Any Means Necessary. By Any Means Necessary. Mr. Larson, could you stand and pray for the message? We thank you, Father, for this time to come and to worship for your presence and to hear your word. We thank you so much that you loved us enough to send your son to die and to rise from the dead. We love you enough, God. We love you so much. We thank you because you loved us in the beginning. You first loved us, and so we love you, God. Show us your word. Help us to grow and to become more like your son, Jesus Christ, every day. Bless the pastor now and give him a fresh unction of the Holy Spirit that he might preach your word in wisdom and in truth, and we might grow thereby, and we might come closer to you. Because it's always our prayer until we get to heaven, Lord Jesus, every day we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes when there is a problem or issue big enough, a person who is tasked with solving said issue might be told by a higher authority to accomplish the task by any means necessary. You see the old cowboy films where they have to go pursue an outlaw and they ask him, do you want him dead or alive? And they tell them, the sheriff may say, it doesn't matter, just bring him in. They may say, use whatever tactics you have to use. Whatever you do, by any means necessary, get the job done. This also means that you're going to take uh, Whatever you need beyond the standard or prescribed procedure into solving that problem to solve it. In other words, no limits are put in place on how the task is to get accomplished. Just get it done. And as we look at these two verses, especially verse 16, we see that there's a conflict going on. Something happens or has happened for uh, this verse to have come about. We see a conflict we see a reason, we see a solution, and then we see a conclusion. All here in John 3.16. And the conclusion was made possible because God completed the task by any means necessary. Any means necessary. Let's look at this conflict. What are we talking about here in John 3.16? What conflict is there? We'll look at the verse again. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave 
His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. The word perish, apolumi in the Greek, means to destroy fully. It also means to suffer complete ruin or destruction. We kind of know it as uh, physical death, to perish, to pass away. But like I said with these other definitions, to destroy fully, complete ruin or destruction. There was something that was getting destroyed. There was something that was being ruined. There was something that was perishing. And that was mankind. But it goes deeper than simply dying of a natural death. See, when someone passes away, you don't say, yeah, I heard that Bob was destroyed the other day. I heard that Bill was ruined the other day. They say that he died. They passed away. But you will hear people say, yeah, that tornado destroyed the town. That hurricane ruined the city. They say to truly destroy a person, you have to attack their soul and their spirit. That is why war is brutal. Because you don't just take out the enemy, those who are firing against you. In warfare, pre-Geneva Convention days, you would go after the civilians. You would go after their food. You'd go after their cities, everything they built up. Because the goal was to demoralize the people and the government into submission. You destroy them. Same like in the military. You arrive. The second uh, you pull into that station, the drill sergeants, drill instructors come on that bus. And they let you know that you're absolutely nothing. And then they go and they shave your head. Why? Is it for cleanliness? No. Is it because of the uh, gas masks and everything you got to train with? No. It's to demoralize you. To make you all feel like you're nothing. That is why they shave the heads of all the prisoners in the concentration camps. To make, to break them down, to break their spirits. Now we're not saying that's the best way for warfare. I'm just saying that's what they would do in war. You demoralize the people, the government, and get, take away their will to fight. So to perish not only means to die, be killed, but to have total destruction, ruin, unable to be restored. This is what was happening to mankind. Mankind was perishing. And there's only one place where all aspects of a person is destroyed, and that is in hell. Matthew 13, 42 says, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Speaking of hell, what happens in hell? It said, be wailing and gnashing of teeth. To kill somebody, simply you cause them to stop breathing and ceasing. But in hell, there is still life. There's still action going on down there. You can't wail if you're dead. Physically, you can't gnash your teeth if your physical body is dead. But in hell, your soul is gnashing. Your soul is wailing. Hell is where those in sin go. In hell, the soul is tormented. And our spirit, which is what connects mankind to God, even in those who live in sin, that spirit is removed and goes back to God upon death. 
Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Now that's important. That's important to understand that human and mankind were body, soul, and spirit. It's a trinity. Body, soul, and spirit. Genesis tells us that God formed man, the body of man, from the dust of the earth, from the clay. And he breathed into his nostrils, his breath, his spirit, into the nostrils of the man. And it says that the man became a living soul. So when you die, the body goes back into the dust. It rots. It goes away. God takes that spirit back, that connection, that will, that excitement that mankind has, the feeling mankind has, your emotions. And in hell, it's just your soul. Disconnected from God. Disconnected from reality. Romans 5 and 12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So man is in sin. So what is this conflict in the simplest terms? All of mankind was on its way to hell because of sin, and it would take a drastic measure or something by any means to fix the problem. That's a scary thought about hell. That your spirit is taken from you. That your soul is tormented. But there was a solution. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, And almost all things are by the Lord purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. So we know that in order for sin to be uh, remiss, all for the, the thing that has taken us to hell, that took mankind to hell, the way for it to be ended and destroyed is that something had to shed its blood to pay the price. The sin problem of mankind could not be changed simply by telling people not to act this way or not to act that way. Why? Because sin is born in the heart. What am I saying? You can't just tell somebody, don't do this. That's a sin. And expect them not to do it. It doesn't work like that. James 1 and 13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Right there, it says when lust, that which is already in the heart, conceives. That's when you've made the decision, I am going to go commit this action, this sinful action. Then you go, then you, now you have that physical sin, then it brings your spiritual death. But that sin is there in your heart. That sin has to get out of your heart. Just by supporting a particular sinful action makes you guilty of that sin. What is he saying here? What are we saying there in James? That sin is in the heart. Even if you don't act out on that sin, you're still in sin. People cannot say, well, I haven't done those things. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. You're still in sin. You're still in sin because it's in your heart. You just haven't acted on it. Those who support a particular sin, to include homosexuality, the person may not be a homosexual, 
They may not participate uh, in those actual actions, but just by saying, yes, I'm an ally. Yes, I'm a supporter. They're just as guilty of that sin. I support my loved one who's doing that. They're just as guilty in the eyes of God. According to the law of sin. Not the law of Moses, the law of sin, because that's sin. Because sin isn't an action alone. It is a nature. Sinful actions are the byproduct of a sinful heart. So that was the conflict that back there was that men were perishing. All mankind was perishing. Mankind was on its way to hell. And many were already there before the scripture was even written. And there needed to be a solution. God seeing that the sinfulness of mankind came from the heart of mankind, he needed to do something that would change the heart. He didn't just say, don't do this and don't do that, because we saw how that worked out with the Ten Commandments. God gave them the law, but they broke it anyway. They still did the things that the law told them not to do. So God needed to change the heart. See, you can't legislate righteousness. Now, I was, ex I was super happy and I was praising God when I heard that, uh, that Texas uh, abortion law was upheld by the Supreme Court. And really, they said that the Supreme Court was silent on it. No, they ruled. This is not an issue for us. That law is going to be held. It was a five to four decision. Praise God. If anything, if we are to shout about anything about who was the former president, and I believe, I'm starting to pray about it now and think, Maybe that's all God needed him for was to appoint justices that were going to rule in favor of what was right. But nevertheless, I came to realize this week also that yes, that law is in place. You cannot have an abortion after six weeks. Okay? And that's good. That keeps the child alive. As long as the mother doesn't do something to try to kill it herself. But you can't legislate righteousness. Because it's still in people's hearts. Because you saw how angry and mad people got when they passed that law. How wicked it was. How, how their, their evil rose up. They're just as guilty. Even though they may not be pregnant. Even though they may never have had an abortion. All the men rising up saying, this, this law is unjust. They're killing, we, we want the right to kill babies. Seriously, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. The government shouldn't have a law on my body. Well then, why don't you have them uh, get rid of the seatbelt laws? Have them get rid of all the food and safety <clears throat> laws? It's your body. The government shouldn't tell a food manufacturer what to put in the food. But they do for your safety. Hospitals shouldn't have to clean. They should just do whatever they want. If you don't want the laws on your body... God has laws on our body, amen? amen? He says we are. He says that the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Don't defile the body with fornication and all that stuff. That's really what it comes down to: is the fact that uh, it's it's not uh, uh, an issue of rape or incest, which doesn't make any sense to me. They say incest, but nobody accidentally sleeps with a sibling. They know what they're doing. 
And if it is something where it's an underage person, then it's rape. Okay? And then, you know, and I did some research, and I was talking to somebody about this. When it comes to rape, and I understand there's, there's children and there's young teens, and that's a totally separate discussion and an issue, which we're not even going to bring up here now. They get raped. They may not say anything because they're scared or they're confused. But when you're an adult and you are raped, you should absolutely contact the police right away. Go to the hospital right away. Because they have something called emergency contraceptives. And it's not an abortion. What it does is it changes the environment so you don't get pregnant. Essentially, it forces a period within a, a matter of a few hours or so. Okay, because the conception could take up to 42 hours for it to actually uh, happen. You don't get pregnant right away after having sex. It takes uh, a couple days for the old biology and the, the body to get itself ready. So there is no real reason for an abortion. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Even Islam doesn't support abortion. I've looked up a verse in Islam, and we don't support Islam, but just because all these people say the Christians got their way, the Christians are oppressing my body. Well, the Muslims don't want you to do it either, and they love the Muslims on the other side of the political spectrum. They just hate Christians. That's what it is. It's a hatred for Christianity. If Christians were in support of abortion, they would hate it. Just because Christians support it, that's what it is. I'm sorry. Deal with it. If you don't like it, don't listen to this podcast. If you don't like it, don't come to church anymore. But I'm glad that God gives life. And if we do things God's way, the way God tells us to do it in the Bible, things are going to be all right. Amen. He said flee fornication because he knows that's what happens. Get pregnant. Have no way to take care of the child. The Bible said that in these last days, mothers will be without natural affection. Never in history has a mother just wanted to kill their baby for fun. And that's what it is. They just don't want... I have a career. I don't want it to interfere in my career. Well, then you shouldn't be having sex. What do you think sex does? Seriously. What, who, who told you that you do not get pregnant if you have sex? All right. Go outside. You'll see a couple squirrels doing it. What do you think they're doing? They're uh, reprodu you know, reproducing. But anyway, you can't legislate righteousness because they may have outlawed the abortion in that state but people they're going to go to other states they're going to do things we got to change their heart god's got to change the heart to say no i don't want to do this no i believe that life is sacred no i'm not going to commit fornication i'm going to wait till i'm married to either have sex and that goes for both men and women well just throw all the women under the bus the men are guilty of it too for saying, I want to sleep with this woman and expect no repercussions. All right. I personally believe that child support should start the second that woman finds out she's pregnant. That man owes her child support right away. If they're not going to get together and get married, he owes her child support. But if women want the right to uh, abort their kids, then maybe the men should have a right not to pay child support. All right. oh. But anyway... Nice, good political rant. But you can't legislate righteousness. You've got to change the heart of the people. God saw the wickedness in mankind's heart. He needed to change the heart. So God, using any means necessary, did something that many would call crazy. 
he did something that I don't think any of us would do. And that was to willingly offer up his son to die for us. To die for the wicked. For the God-hating. To save the wicked heart. That's what God did. By any means necessary. But why? Why did God do it this way? Why did God want to save mankind? Why would he subject his son to be brutally beaten and murdered? Because God loves mankind. Amen. God loves mankind. Plain and simple. And you know, there are a lot of churches that go and they preach hellfire and brimstone. And there is a reality behind it. That there is a hell. That there are people going there daily. But there is also a reality that God loves mankind. Now love is not the same as acceptance. Let's point that out right there. Because there are churches that are saying, Oh, God loves you no matter uh, what you do. And that is true in that sense. Because you do love a relative even though they do such bad things. You never really stop loving your child, loving your parent. But accepting them is a separate thing. God loves us. He doesn't always accept mankind though. But he does love. We are made in his image. He created mankind. I like what he here says in 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. There's that word again, perish. God is not willing that any should perish. Man. So what is he talking about here in 2 Peter? What's the context? He's talking about God wrapping it up. God said he would return and take his church. So here we are. God, when are you going to do it? When's the rapture going to happen, Lord? When are you going to go ahead and bring this all to a close? We should be thankful that God hasn't wrapped it up yet. Amen. Because he says that God is long-suffering. He's trying to save as many people as he can right. before he has to wrap it up. There are times in the morning when I wake up and I talk about how I pray on my way to work. I say, Lord, thank you for not wrapping it up yet. Thank you, Lord, that I have one more day, one more chance to make sure I'm right with you. Thank you, Lord, for being long-suffering. He said, not willing that any should, per any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This includes the terrorists. Amen? Yes, sir. This includes the murderers. This includes the pedophiles. Ooh, that's a subject that's sore with a lot of people. Right. You, yeah, I, I, sometimes you think about, you go to prison, and I haven't been there, praise God, and I pray I never go to prison. Okay? But you, you go to prison, what are you in prison for? Uh, I'm a drug dealer. Oh, okay. What are you in prison for? I, I stole some cars. Okay. Uh, what are you in prison for? I attacked this person. I, I physically beat him up. Oh, okay, you're kind of cool. What, what about you? I murdered somebody. Oh, wow, you're bad. Uh, what are you in prison for? Well, I had some images on my computer of some children. They end up killing that guy. It's kind of funny. 
Now we don't condemn pedophiles or, uh, I mean condone pedophile or any of the things that relate to that. It's all wickedness. It's all wickedness. But God is willing to reach out to everybody no matter what. And that's the point I'm making. Whether they're a terrorist, a murderer, a pedophile, no matter how wicked they may be, even if they're a politician. God can save any uh, president. God can save any congressman or woman or any senator. God can save them all. God even, I'm going to tell you this right now, I'm going to tell you what God wanted. Because uh, I know some things that God wants or had wanted in the past. God wanted Hitler to get saved. Woo! Kick me off the podcast now. You said that God wanted Hitler to get saved. Oh, absolutely. And God gave Hitler many opportunities to repent. But Hitler didn't. So if God is willing to reach out to men like Hitler and Stalin and all these horrible people all throughout history, uh, reach out to people like Timothy McVeigh and the uh, Columbine shooters... God will surely want to reach out to each and every one of us. Amen. Because God sent Jesus to die in our place. To pay the price that we should have paid. Right. Hell was for us. But God did anything necessary. By any means. To rectify the problem. You can say, well, why didn't God just wipe out all of mankind and start over? Perhaps he knew that mankind would fall once again. You think Satan would have, uh, you know, not have come back again and did the same thing he did with Adam and Eve? He absolutely would have. He would have continued to mess with mankind over and over. But God said, you know what, I'm going to change their hearts instead. I can wipe out all of mankind, but I'm going to change their hearts instead. And after I've changed their hearts, Satan can't get them off track. Unless they walk off track. But Satan can't do anything to us. As long as we're walking in the light, as long as we got the Holy Ghost in us, we make that decision if we're going to walk off the path. But Satan can't beguile us anymore because we don't listen to him anymore. We don't walk according to the flesh. We walk according to the steps of Jesus Christ. Amen. He sent Jesus to die so that all would not have to perish. Now keep in mind these words that I'm saying, that all would not have to perish. He died so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. Jesus died to deliver us from sin that leads to hell and from sin that makes this life hell. See, God went above and beyond to deliver us. But there is a catch. And that's when we go back to our Bible reading. That whosoever believeth in him. That's the catch right there. Jesus didn't die and then all of mankind is good to go from that point on. That if we want to be delivered. If we don't want to perish. If we want to be free from sin. We got to believe in him that was crucified. Amen. And people are still going to hell as we speak. Why? Because they have rejected Jesus. 
believeth in him doesn't mean that you just acknowledge his existence, but you have to have given your life to him and accepted him as your Lord and Savior. That is the message that has been preached from the very beginning when Jesus rose from the grave until now. We must believe in Jesus Christ. Son of God, that he died for us, and that God raised him on the third day. Right. And we will be saved. Then we got to walk in that light too. We need to also live by this term, by any means necessary. See, God went to the extreme. He went to the very top. He said, I'm going to crucify my son. He didn't say, I'm going to crucify an angel. He didn't say, I'm going to crucify an animal. I'm going to take the very best of what I have, and I'm going to send him down, and he's going to die in their place. And we want God. I mean, if God went to the extreme to deliver us, we ought to go to the extreme to make sure that the death of Christ wasn't in vain. We need to be by any means necessary to stop us from going back into sin. We need to by any means necessary get closer to God. That is what we need to do. Philippians 3 and 7 says, But what things we were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. This is Paul speaking. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul saying, I've given it all up. I had power. I had prestige. I was on top of the Pharisees. I was known among my brethren. I had it all. But you know what? I gave it all up. I forsook it all. See, Paul didn't get saved just because Christ appeared to him on Damascus. Christ, I and mean, Paul got saved because he gave his life to Jesus. Man. He gave his life to Jesus. He made it up in his mind, this is the Lord that I've been persecuting. But you know what? He has shown me mercy this day on Damascus. Yeah. He has told me that he loves me. He has told me he has a plan for me. And now I'm going to serve him. That's Amen. why Paul got saved. Right. Not because he got knocked off his horse. Amen. But sometimes God will knock us off our horse. He'll get our attention by any right. means necessary. But Paul is saying, I counted all that for loss. That I may obtain Christ. Yeah. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. What is Paul saying? I've given it up. I've given it all up so that I could be more like Christ, so that I may know more about him, that I may Know how he felt and how he suffered for me. I want to be more like God. And then there in verse 3 and 11 he says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Oh, by all means, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I stay in God's light. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I stay free from sin. I'm going to do everything I can to go closer to God. If i got to read another chapter, if i got to pray another hour, if i got to come to another church service, even if i got to go witness here and witness there, if i got to tell somebody, hey, I'll 
buy you lunch. I'll buy you dinner. Come on out to church. By any means necessary, I'm going to do the will of God. Paul wanted to be closer to God and be more like Christ. That he was willing to suffer just like Jesus is. See, we can't die for Jesus. We can't die for him. He's not in sin. That's why it says we must be living sacrifices. Holy, acceptable, blameless. A clean and empty vessel for God. See, God went by any means necessary to deliver mankind, to deliver us from sin. And likewise, we need to pay God back by going above and beyond by any means necessary to make sure, to make sure we make it to heaven. Amen. Amen. To make sure we make it so that the death of Christ wasn't in vain. By any means necessary to make sure we tell others about Jesus so that they don't perish. We should follow the example and by any means necessary live a life that reflects the one Jesus lived. We have a job to do to reach out to ourselves. We have to reach ourselves too. You know, we talk about soul winning all the time, but we got to make sure that we're soul one. We got to make sure we follow up with ourselves. We got to say, how am I doing? Do I know that this church this weekend? Am I ready to go? Have I prepared myself before I tell somebody about Christ? They say you can't be too busy with the kingdom that you don't spend time with the king. Got to make sure we're, we're living right first. Got to take care of ourselves first before we try to take care of somebody else. Amen. We got to make sure we're right before we walk out that door. It's amazing that there are people who are in hell right now that have reached people who are in heaven right now. <laughs> we have a job to do to reach ourselves and others. And it's time that we start using every tool we have at our disposal to get the job done. There are no rules. Jesus said, go ye into the world. And preach the gospel. Go into the world. And teach men and women. He didn't say. Go into the world only on Sunday. He didn't say. Go into the world only at this time of season. Or this time of year. He didn't say. Only do this if that and that and that. If only the lines up. He said go. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about the clothing. Just go. Everything will be taken care of. By any means necessary. If we find ourselves in a situation where it's like, God, I can't reach anybody. Bless me so I can. I don't have the gas money, Lord God, to go to the store and tell somebody about Jesus. He'll give you the gas money. Amen. He'll make it happen. By any means necessary. Make it happen. 
You feel like you, you, you've messed up too much. You feel like that you've strayed off the path. By any means necessary, get down to that altar. Go and say, God, oh, I've messed up. God, I need a touch. God, cleanse me with thy hyssop. Amen. By any means necessary, we've got to make it to heaven. Ride that altar to the grave. Pray all day. Read all day. By any means necessary, whatever you got to do, you got to make it to heaven. You got to make it to heaven. We got to make it because he bought us. He redeemed us. We got to stay on the path. As long as we stay on the path, we'll stay saved. Amen. I don't believe in once saved, always saved doctrine. If we have once saved, always saved, then why are we even in church? What is the point of this? We're saved and we got to stay saved. We got to check ourselves by any means necessary. Kind of like what he said, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. Now I'm not telling you to go pluck your eyes out. But he's saying by any means necessary, do what you got to do to make sure that you make it to heaven. Amen. Do whatever we can to make sure that somebody else makes it to heaven. By any means necessary. And as we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him. You know, the woman with the issue of blood. She tried it all. She tried it all. Money. She tried to buy the doctor. She tried all these treatments. She tried doing everything. But then when she had nothing left, the one thing that she said, I'm going to do, is I'm going to find this Jesus. I've heard how he heals. And if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. By any means necessary. Zacchaeus said, I want to see the Lord, but I can't. I'm too short. I'm going to climb a tree instead, and I'm going to see him. Zacchaeus said, by any means necessary. The centurion and his daughter said, my daughter layeth sick. She sleepeth. Lord, if you just say the word, she'll be healed by any means necessary. I'm going to go. And when we were in sin, we tried everything. We tried everything. And then we tried one thing. We said, I'm going to make it to God's house. I'm going to accept that invitation. Because I'm sick of the way my life is. I need something more. By any means necessary, I'm going to make it to God's house. And God blessed in all of those situations. And I don't know what you're going through right now. If you need to be saved, now's the time to pray and ask Jesus into your life. If you need a healing touch, it's time to say, God, enough is enough. By any means necessary, I'm coming to you and I want my healing. If you need freedom from your thoughts, if you need freedom from a particular sin that continues to nip at your heels. You got to say, by any means necessary, I'm going to be free from it. We just need that attitude. Because God had that attitude when he sent Jesus, his son, to die for us.
by any means necessary, I'm going to get my blessing. By any means necessary, I'm going to be free from sin. Let's find a place to pray this morning. By any means necessary, get that blessing. Amen. God bless you.